Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast, a show to share stories, insights, and experiences in strength, physically, mentally, and spiritually. I'm Michael Krakowski, host of the Strength Connection, and I'm so grateful that you can join me today. So in these episodes, I connect with some of the most inspiring and successful individuals to chop it up and learn from true life experiences that help them become who they are, the strongest versions of themselves. One of the greatest ways I've always learned the most important lessons is through stories. We all have them, and they make us who we are. So let's dive in. Here we go. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast, and Dr. Jeremy Koenig, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Happy New Year to you. I'm really grateful that you took some time to do this for me. My pleasure, Michael. Absolutely. Yeah. So shout out to our mutual friend, Eric Malzone for connecting us. So I got to tell you, Jeremy, the when we first connected, I really didn't know much about really the, the term genomics and metagenomics of getting in. And after doing some research on that, this is such a fascinating topic for that whole broader spectrum of human optimization and our potential in here. So I'm really curious to get into your journey and really get into the deep insights in here. So usually I start with the journey, but just for a little kind of science 101 question in here, metagenomics, it's a big word that we have. If you can just describe what that is and how does that affect us in terms of our human potential for strength and optimization? Yeah. Um, so this is about to get very meta as the name implies. Right. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, listeners be warned, it'll take us a bit of a philosophical loop, um, but it'll bring us back to the point, hopefully, um, because, uh, you know, as I as I foreshadowed is met- metagenomics is really it, it's the genomes of of everything, everything on Earth. And really, you can think of it as, I guess, the study of genetic material um recovered directly from environmental samples um this is an important distinction um because compared to traditional genomics which focuses more on the study of say the individual genome Mm -hmm. a single species so like a human or a plant or a rat or whatever um, metagenomics allows for the analysis of a collective genome and most predominantly microorganisms um, from a particular community so think the gut microbiome as an example Mm -hmm. So, so the reason why that's really interesting is because, um, well, in our guts, you probably heard we've got, I can't remember what the number is, say 10 times more um, bacteria living in us and on us um, than, than there are human cells. Right. Uh, so mm-hmm. Some people would posit that we're just kind of these walking incubators for the sake right. of our bacteria. Hopefully not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but if you were to try to, uh, well, you know, conventionally or histor- historically, the way we'd get in- information on any of these probiotics or indeed any of the pathogens, like killer pathogens like cholera, mm-hmm. for example, you'd have to isolate them in pure culture first, um, mm-hmm. grow enough of them. So you have biomass to extract the genome and then sequence it to get some kind of insight um, around what that, what that bug mm-hmm. did. Um, but the interesting thing that we know, microbiologists know, is, is that, well, there's this whole uncultivatable majority. It's like 99.9% of bugs in your gut can't be isolated on their own, let's say, because there are these communities, these ecosystems of synergy. Mm-hmm. And so previous to the advent of, of metagenomics, which is really like, it's a shotgun approach, right? It's like, I can take a sample of mud or poop, which mm-hmm. I did as part of my postdoc at Cornell. Mm-hmm. I looked at 
God, thousands of poop samples. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you apply sequencing technology directly to the DNA that you isolate from that extraction. And then what mm -hmm. you get is you get the metagenome. You get everything that's living um, in the gut, uh, every species, because we tack this back to um, algorithms that can taxonomically assign the species based on what we know in our genetic data banks, we can ascribe or assign function to the genes that we sequence. And so you can get a really neat picture of um, not only how, say, the human microbiome is at one point in time, but you can start to collect multiple data points and see the dynamic nature of how the infant gut so let's say in humans, we're talking about infant microbiome. We're using metagenomics as a practice to understand that. We can use this time-scaled uh, um, and, and directed sampling of the infant, and you can start to map changes in the, in the uh, gut metagenome to specific perturbations, like switching from, from breast milk to formula, introduction of antibiotics. Right, okay vaccination so so you're like oh wow like you can start to measure this dynamic and, and that's what it really is is in our it's not just our guts by the way it's our you know our skin i mean it's it's mm -hmm. um you know our sex organs it's 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 everywhere we're in this symbiotic nature with with these gut um mm -hmm. bacteria which i really appreciate now where you know we have our um you know adaptive versus innate immune systems my daughter now 12 weeks old, you know, I, I really appreciate the value of mom's microbiome as she's building out her immune right. system. Because what we've learned is it really is tailored to the local environment. Um, so so to, to, to bring it back to like, well, our optimization, how does how does that become, let's say, you know, actionable? Well, the first thing is, you know, know yourself and know that, you know, you're actually more than the genes in your human cells, you're also a composite of the genes in the bacterial cells as well, because it turns out there's this crosstalk um, between the metabolites that your bacteria are making that actually affects gene expression mm -hmm. at the organismal letter, level, the, the, the human level. So we've seen, for example, um, you, can you can take um, people with uh, obese, uh, the, the microbiome from obese people, um, versus lean people. And you can take mm -hmm. the, the lean microbiome and put it into an obese person and you can actually um, address issues of body weight in, in, that, uh, in that instance. Mm -hmm. We've seen it also in, um, so, so there's, there's, there is specifically, you know, met the metabolomics of the human microbiome. There's also this whole notion of the gut-brain access as well. Right. Um, where different uh, rat models have been used to measure anxiety uh, in, in rats that were basically put on these sponges on mm -hmm. water and just terrified that they're going to fall in the water. And their microbiomes change into this kind of more pathogenic um, microbiome over time. And, uh, and if you actually take that set of bacteria from the stressed out rat and put it into the, the non-stressed out rat, well, they actually start to elicit that stressed out behavior, right? Mm. So, so what's, what it means about human performance, I think it shifts our perspective around what are, where are my edges as a performing mm -hmm. entity, let's say as an athlete, like right. what is my body? Are these microbes part of my body? And, and, and to the extent that you move the lens out further and further, it's like that notion of an ecosystem scales. And so I think as humans, we start to, let's say, actualize um, the more we start to expand our understanding of not just who we are, but who we could become based on understanding these, these principles. Mm. It's, it's really fascinating. The gut microbiome, you know, it's something that 
you know, Spiem's like really over the last few years, people have understood it's become a lot more popular and just not, and, you know, not just specific demographics, but really as a whole of culture. But as you said, there's so much going on in the microbiome. It's almost hard to fully understand it. And then it seems like genomics, does it get confused a lot with genetics? Because it seems like, I, I believe genetics, I always thought is things like, well, this is just part of me. It's just what I inherited from ancestors, you know, down. It's not something that I could really do anything about where genomics seems like it's kind of part of that, but you can actually change this part of your body. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. I mean, I think generally speaking, um, like you say, genetics deals with the individual genes and, and their roles in inheritance, mm -hmm. while genomics is more concerned with this collective, you know, characterization and analysis of the material in the organism, let's say, right? And so genomics provides us more global perspective. So you can start to look into things with like, not only just genes, but how genes interact with the environment. And so really what we're talking about is gene expression profiles, right? We're talking about transcriptomics, right? So that, that is the expression of the gene. And that is tied back to, well, things like epigenetics. So DNA methylation, acetylation, chromosome structuring and rearrangement. And so, you know, we know for something, uh, something really, well, really interesting, like, like say um, exercise, like mm -hmm. exercise, we know changes your, um, your transcriptomics, let's just say, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's anabolic and adaptive processes, pathways that are turned on um, and, and more easily turned on the more you work out. Conversely, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you smoke, there are more addictive genes that might be turned on versus, versus um, mm -hmm. uh, dormant otherwise. And, and, you know, we have, we have great historical evidence for this in, in the instance of uh, the Dutch hunger famine where um, mothers who were pregnant and exposed to, to those conditions of war and famine, um, we actually see changes in the genome. So not changes in the gene, changes in the, uh, let's say, the epigenetic profiles. Mm -hmm. uh, and so therefore the expression preset coming out of the womb, it's like you're actually, if you come from that situation, you're more likely to be uh, obese and you're more likely mm -hmm. to um, ex exhibit um, uh, obsessive compulsive, uh, that's not the word I'm looking for, is... is um, the uh, uh, bipolar uh, schizophrenia, you're more okay. likely to be paranoid, which kind of makes sense if you're growing up in wartime, scarcity and people might kill you. So that, that to me, it just totally turns, you know, turned everything that I, you know, let's say learned about in high school about genetics on its head. You know, when you, when you learn that um, it's, it's, it's kind of an argument for um, this idea that acquired characteristics can be passed on, um, right. which was a, which was a big no-no as far as Darwin was concerned. It was descent, it was variation, the environment selects and it's descent with modification. Mm -hmm. Now, given the fact that we can rearrange our genomes based on how we choose our environments is an argument for, well, you know, if your parents were healthful, it's a pretty good chance that you're gonna be so inclined to be that way also. Mm -hmm. So there's like a new preset in the coding. It's not a change in the base. Uh, the individual nucleotides, but it's a change in accessibility to the, let's say, transcriptional profile. Yeah. How quickly of a change is that? Like with like the Dutch famine and stuff, and they saw like in the genome of infants, like how quickly was, was that like just like one generation, like they saw an yeah. immediate change? 
Yeah. Well, and they measured it and it was lasting. It was it's measured, I think, one or two generations. I know it's measured two generations past. Mm -hmm. Right. So. So, yeah, it's it's like from from the generation. I mean, you think about it, you're 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 doing it now, you know, in terms of, um, you know, what you do. Um, you know, so here we are. We're, we're on this topic of potential is is, you know, the younger you are, the more, quote unquote, plastic you are, you know, the more the more more you are as a as a, as a composite of stem cells like you could be anything kind of right. thing um you know but then as you start to um differentiate uh you know as some of these things are obviously preset like you know some stem cells become heart tissue some become muscle some become liver kidney etc but then how you start to lay down um you know the tissue let's say even particular like your musculoskeletal system your bone system like that depends specifically on how you interact with the environment so um you know those are those are uh expressional optimizations for the, the ecosystem that you've either chosen or you find yourself in by accident so it's just really an amazing system um at work and and literally happens in your lifetime in terms of um specification that, that just just look at the profile of athletes at the olympic games and and mm -hmm. look at the shot putter's body and look at the marathon runner's body and imagine everything in between and that's all happening in a single generation now those people yeah. aren't all identical they're going to be coming out with some kind of genetic preset but that's a heck of a lot of variation in a single species yeah so mm -hmm. kind of looking at that in you know, an athletic pursuit, like obviously genetics plays a big, you know, role, but what is genome like with an athlete that, you know, we're looking at optimizing that potential and getting into like understanding their genome and their genomics. What are those, like, what are the things that it's telling us about yeah. that person? Like, is it telling us about the detriments or like things that they're more inclined to increase their potential on in certain aspects or how does that work? Yeah. So as you know, I've worked with, um, you know, quite, quite a few athletes, you know, we were talking about this, um, before we hopped on the podcast, we were saying, Hey, like, you know, close to a hundred thousand people have listened to your podcast, which mm -hmm. is amazing. If you were to kind of put them all in a single auditorium, you'd be like, wow, like, yeah. you know, I've, I've helped or hopefully helped or affected change of that many people. And, um, the work that I had done previously with Athletogen, um, we didn't quite get to a hundred thousand, but you know, we empowered more than 10,000, more, more likely closer to 20,000. Um, you know, individuals who are interested in optimization and human performance. And we did, you know, some more, um, let's say, in-depth, uh, you know, evidence-based studies on Olympic level athletes. That's mm -hmm. that's a piece that I'm working on right now that I definitely want to circle back with you on later. Sure. Um, but generally speaking, you know, so out of the box, what listeners might know or have heard about um in terms of, well, what can DNA tell you? Well, yeah. sure, it'll tell you about your genetic predispositions. It'll tell you about your, let's say, your ancestry uh, and your evolution, various personal attributes like your traits, you know, like your eye color, your height, etc. cetera. Um, you know, some more critically important things like um, medical treatments and drug efficacy. So think like pharmacogenetics. Um, potential for disease, like that is embedded in our genome and then beyond disease you know what do we do for kind of call it wellness and health optimization so that's you know broad strokes um some of the things that dna can tell us um mm -hmm. but if we look at uh let's dive into say genetic predisposition now so 
conventionally, I mean, this is what I learned in, in university mm-hmm. or how I was introduced to genetics is really, you know, predispositions to certain health conditions such as heart disease, diabetes, or certain types of cancer. And, um, and sure, understanding these predisp- predispositions can lead to better health management. Mm-hmm. I want to know things about myself. Not everybody does. It's certainly, you're not motivated to find that out. Um, so, so, so let me think- interrupt you for a second, just on that, when you talk about that predisposition on there. Um, you know, yeah. that's one of those words that like, we, we kind of know, like you're more likely to, but when we yeah. see that, like, if you have a genetic predisposition, is there a spectrum that we see of like more likely or because is it like 10% or, cause this is, I think something that gets very confusing for people. Like when they say, oh, heart disease is a genetic thing in my family. Um, like you're starting out with like, you're starting at one, is there like a spectrum that like we know of when we do these tests? Yeah. Well, what's getting interesting and controversial at the same time is we're moving into the realm of, um, let's say, uh, polygenic risk scores, right? So we're looking at multiple markers uh, that 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 are weighted to give you an overall predisposition. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just say there are, you know, out of the box, 10 markers associated with um you know, uh, uh, let's use the, the one that you mentioned, for example, like heart disease. And mm-hmm. it's like, you've got two of them. It's like, oh, well, you know, I have two out of 10. So, well, 20%, is that my predisposition? It's like, well, no, wait, we have to wait those two more. Those are the ones that contribute much more. So if we have mm-hmm. a weighted algorithm, it's like, well, no, you have a 60% chance of developing this disease. And then you add in the environment. If you consume a high sugar diet if you consume oh, gotcha. a, okay. like a blind if you do nothing basically right um if you if you live by the status quo um you know this is this is your likelihood of um heart disease and gotcha. so we're, we're going to see much much more of this um you know polygenic risk scores um mm-hmm. What I've been thinking more about is um, polygenic performance scores. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not so much talking about disease now. I'm talking about, you know, the tip of the spear, you know, the athlete who wants that like last 5%. Um, right. And I, yeah. And I've drilled that, you know, set of call it predispositions down to let's just say a top 100. I mean, they're, they're obviously are going to be more as I add them, but it's like, you know, even stop, even reducing it down to like a top three you know and I just to kind of start the conversation and make it easier and start to add on and and so you can think about well there's different genes like mm mmp3 gene involved in what type of collagen you lay down right now depending on which variant you have you have a higher predisposition of to injury if you are a triple jumper let's say you might be more inclined to rupture your achilles tendon so mm. so like for like if i if i was only given three genes and, and I was advising an athlete, I would say MMP3, I would, you know, I'd go for the textbook sprint gene, you know, because that's going to affect, you know, how I'm training my, you know, speed power versus endurance athlete. Um, and then I would go, you know, for let's just say a nutrition gene, I'd probably go like MTHFR, because I'm concerned about that inflammatory pathway. I'm, I'm concerned about um, training plateaus. Um, I'm, I'm concerned, concerned about mood and energy production and inflammation, all those things. And that's you know kind of a centralizing pathway, mm-hmm. but, you know, 
that's not the be all and end all. You start to kind of, I start to build out around those um, to, to get a, a, a better picture, um, you know, of the athletes presets or predispositions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the really exciting thing is coming across athletes who defy uh, the odds or break the mold. Like, you know, I worked with athletes that don't have this one, I shouldn't say athletes, one, one athlete that didn't have the sprint gene, but went to the Olympics um, for the 100 and 200. How does that happen? Right. So it's always the outliers. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know everything. So that's, that's, that's where, you know, you, you can, you can throw your hands up in the air as, you know, it's like the non-expert, you know, because you, you talk to experts and you push experts hard enough and they'll say, well, you know, we need to do more research. I can't really tell you with any exact yeah. certainty that you will be guaranteed success. But, you know, that's why this is evidence-based. And this is like, Hey, on the whole, what we see is athletes who have a particular variant of say their, their predis- predisposition mm-hmm. to absorb vitamin C, uh, they actually experience higher levels of soreness uh, during phases of higher training load um, probably because there's the anti-inflam uh, components of, of vitamin C, but also its role in tissue repair, right? Laying down mm-hmm. collagen. So, so there's really, you know, again, there's good early signal for how, if you're at that kind of sharpening the tip of the spear, how this information can be incredibly valuable to you. Yeah. So is that like with an example like that of like, maybe like predisposed to lower vitamin C or maybe a more risk of injury, is that something that can be changed? Like, is this something that you can actually work on to not just mitigate, but actually change the, the genome so that this maybe isn't a, like a problem anymore? Is it something that when you know this, it's more of like, okay, I know that I'm more predisposed to this. So I have to work around it more for lack of a better term. Yeah, that's that's right. And you know, Dave Dave Epstein, I think, summarized it quite quite well in Sports Gene, the chapter on I think it's a tale of two high jumpers, right? You have the one guy who's like five seven, and uh, and he's all form and technique. Um, and you have the other guy who's basically a novice, but he's like, you know, six foot five, raw, and they they both jump the same height. I can't remember what it is, but. You know, the shorter guy developed this like bulletproof Achilles tendon and just like insane efficiency of, you know, force production. Um, and mm. it's all about competition. It's all about the 10,000 hour rule. So that's that's an ex- literally an example of somebody climbing to new heights um, that, you know, you might say did not win the genetic lottery when it comes to high jump. Right. Right. right? But then but, you know, th- the interesting thing is. um well, again, to take this question a bit further, like on the most basic plane, and that is, you know, injury vulnerability, right? So I have a predisposition to be more vulnerable to injury based on some of these genetic markers that lay down my collagen. And, and you know, the interesting thing is when we worked with, when I looked at uh, sort of a few hundred Olympic athletes, um, those vulnerabilities were overrepresented in that population or sorry, underrepresented in that population. So what that means is if I take, if I take these random sample of athletes and I take a random sample or sorry, if I take a sample of, you know, hundred athletes and I take a random sample from the population in, in the past, this is cases versus controls, right? So, so normally the athlete population is uh, like your disease, your cases population mm-hmm. and the controls are just random, super healthy, normal controls or what they're called. So, if we take 
hundred athletes and compare them to a uh, hundred random people who, by the way, have the potential to be athletes. It's just, they're not, they're just, right. they're, okay. they're walking around. Um, what we see in the athletes is an overrepresentation of those injury genes, or sorry, of those injury protection genes. Said mm-hmm. another way, there's an overrepresentation of injury genes in the non-athlete populations, which led me to think, well, keep in mind, these athletes were all on the track for Olympics. They were older than 20, you know, 22, okay. 23, uh, let's say, as old as, let's say, 32. Um, but they all had one thing in common. They'd all made it to the other side of um, the NCAA, right? Which survived is no hard that, yeah. <laughs> they survived the NCAA. Um and you know they they got a little lucky in that in that regard. Now here's the interesting thing, is of of the seventy five percent that let's say were genetically blessed with injury protection, there there were twenty five percent that that weren't that were vulnerable that would be like say the random. And what I noticed with 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 that population is well they they were more inclined to be on the massage table. They were more inclined to be getting prehab. They were more inclined to lower dose training. Um, you know, because, you know, training is this balance of overreaching and adaptation. So minimum effective dose. Well, if the drug's training, the minimum effective dose for them is, is better lower. Right. And so you would actually have some of these people who are very vulnerably, genetically speaking, um, who would be overrepresented in terms of getting medals at the Olympic games because they were so much more dialed into their programs um, and had so much more support and attention from their coaches, which mm-hmm. leads us to this, you know, kind of paradigm shift as coaches away from drill sergeants and toward gardeners. Let me understand. Let me nurture mm-hmm. your nature, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So the the athlete athlete group they almost have built up almost like a shield for injury versus the the other side of the non athletes. Well, the 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 athletes. Um, straight up they're blessed right they 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 can thank their parents yeah. for their that's gifts. The genetic side yeah that's that's the genetic side and and so that really has nothing to do with you know what they've what they've trained so to sure. speak um what has more to do with what they're what they've trained um we might look at the training response genes you know so mm. some athletes um respond uh, more quickly and more favorably say to vo2 max training yeah um, and so if that's true, and if, and if, you know, the VO2 max is, a is an important part of your sport, say like hockey, for example, and you can train that up within weeks, not months, that gives you a ton of time to work on, say the speed power component of your sport, the skills mm-hmm. attributes that you want to be working on. So I think what DNA, um, so, so in my, in my opinion, in terms of, you know, looking into, let's say the molecules of 10,000 athletes is my opinion is that um, we will see more people accessing more athletes and, 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 you know, even let's just say health leads, like people who are um, bringing an athlete mindset to their health. I think you're going to start to see people um, play, let's say chess with human performance more so than checkers. And, And what I mean by that is, you take a decathlete, for example, it's very rare that we would see somebody who has, um, you know, all predispositions for, let's just say, endurance, speed, power, anaerobic capacity. Very, right. very, very, very rare. You know, you'd have some athletes that tended to be, you know, along the lines of better jumpers. Some would be more sprint 
focused, mm-hmm. some more power, like in throws focused, mm-hmm. but it's really about like, how do I train to bring about the maximum score? Cause you know, in decath- decathlon, you don't have to win every event to win the overall. Right. Yeah. Um, kind of manage so, your weaknesses and maximize your strengths. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that's what we're going to see um, more and more of uh, in, in the world of, well, track and field. Um, but, but also I think team sport as well, where, mm-hmm. when you start to see an individual training model, um, you know, integrated into sports like football and hockey, where you start in, in, in well, others, baseball, whatever, you start to to really uh, honor the 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 unique blueprint and starting point of every athlete, mm-hmm. uh, even though the game itself is universal. But you might actually change the way athletes play the game um, because what you're literally doing, if you know your genome better, is you're deliberately placing yourself in an environment to bring about the maximum expression of what you want. And by environment, I'm not just saying, you know, where in the world do you live? I mean, what habits are you uploading? Um, as, mm-hmm. as part of your operating system day in and day out. Yeah. Yeah. The injury side, I've always been fascinated by Jeremy, because especially with like non-contact based injuries and seeing yeah. someone who is such a, you know, a high quality athlete who has such strength and such power, all of a sudden just the ACL just goes and, yeah. you know, and see from there. So have you seen, is it more like, is there a difference a lot in like the injury prevention genome from male to female? Do you see it more in one sex versus another? You know, it's, it would be very difficult to reduce it down mm-hmm. um, to genetics on it, on its, like of those particular mm-hmm. tissue markers, because there's so much more that's going on in the female, bi- female biology mm-hmm. uh, compared to, compared to men. Um, but, you know, all, all else equal, um, let's, let's say that, um, you know, uh, a bum MMP3 gene is, it, it still requires care no matter, you know, what your sex is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm assuming like body mechanics comes into that as well. Just like the different, like length. I mean, I always saw that like with lengthier femur, like height and stuff like that. I mean, that's going to all come. Cause I was, there's a guy in uh, the strong first community, oh, I was in the RKC community, Kenneth J who was like had like a seven and a half foot wingspan, but his right. strength was just like ungodly. It was kind of like an outlier because usually like shorter range of motion, shorter levers, you're going to develop strength more. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it always, there's, it is always interesting to see those outliers. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, I, I think that's, that's what DNA, DNA allows us to start doing is, is to um, be having those, better understanding the, 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 um, let's just say the source, the cause, um, of those, of those outliers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and that, that I would say is, is the interesting thing about, you know, when you talk about injury, the injury vulnerability, or it, 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 so it really is how the whole thing, how the whole organism comes together. Right. Mm-hmm. So for example, like my background in college, I was a sprinter and if I actually look at my genetic profile, it's like, yeah, I have the engine of like a, you know, a monster truck, like sprint engine. I like put on weight easily. Like I just look at weights and I put on, sorry. Yeah. I, put, I, look, I look at weights and I put on, you know, muscle, but it's like, um, um, the engines in this like Chevette chassis. Cause I've had like, you know, just so many, like, like seven, seven or eight different surgeries, like soft tissue, uh, injury, 
Um, and I'm like, man, wish I wish I had this genetic insight uh, 20, 30 years ago um, that would help me. You know, I would know where the quicksand is, mm-hmm. you know, if I still wanted to go there because I was, you know, let's say, um, you know, just too stubborn, then, well, that would be my own fault. Um, yeah. But uh, but this whole notion of, you know, prehab, you know, I was thinking about this also, like in terms of like, you know, varsity athletes, like there's there's every at any given time, there's like 500,000 varsity athletes that are in play and. I can't remember what the stat was. I'd have to double check it, but it was around like 25% of them having some kind of injury. I think it's higher than that, but like of those that get injured, it's like 50% of them will kind of feel that injury for the rest of their life. Um, in, in really? some, yeah, well, like think about, think about, well, I mean, there's, there's the contact one. So we need to pull those out. Sure. Right? Yeah. So concussion. So those aren't the ones I'm talking about. I'm thinking more like contact more, you know, movement yeah. compensation type issues, issues. Exactly. I'm thinking labral tears and pulled yep. hamstrings and rotator cuff issues. And, you know, like just, I mean, it's, it's not insignificant. Um, let's, let's just say that, that uh, if anybody that does any kind of, let's say sport above a recreational level, like that's a massive risk uh, for long-term, you know, compensation or injury uh, as, yeah. as a result. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think like, is this like, do you think this is important for people who are maybe like the health leads who are people who are just like, maybe not trying to achieve that like next level, but just kind of on the basis, like, like, is this, is this something that you think is beneficial to do like right away, even if you're at like the beginning starting line, or is this something that you think is more powerful, you know, to know about yourself maybe after you've gone through the first initial steps, like that everybody knows, like exercise regularly, sleep, like all those types of things. Yeah. I mean, I think about it from the perspective of, okay, well, first of all, we've got to just, you know, acknowledge the elephant in the room. Um, genetic, genetic data, personal data in general makes a lot of people nervous, you know, having their personal data hacked. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so like, let's just pretend we, you know, we live on a planet where your data is your own. Everything's safe. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's safe. And Health insurance uh, companies aren't going to use your data against you to deny you care or deny yeah. you uh, compensation or, 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 or insurance. Let's pretend we got all that buttoned up. Um, and, um, and and now I come back to your question. When is the best time for people to have this information, to know this information? Well, um, you know, I, I mentioned to you that uh, my wife and I had our, our first child, um, our daughter. She's mm-hmm. like three months old today. And yeah, <clears throat> you know, we, we want to know her genome right mm-hmm. now, because, Hey, as soon as solid food comes in, I'd like to know what her, her, her micronutrient predispositions are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so think of that even just purely from a nutrigenomics point of view. So like we've, you know, let's just say ruled out all the different possible possibilities for rare disease. And, and by the way, they're not insignificant. Um, and and they're they're important to know up front. I, I would say that's that's a separate conversation. But just say everything's healthy and everything's tracking on the nutrigenomic side. It's like, well, what if she's sensitive to dairy, right? What if what if she's like her dad probably is, who doesn't um, convert beta carotene to uh, vitamin A quite mm-hmm. so well, and so is going to turn orange uh, when you give her too much, um, 
you know, carrots or, or squash. Right. Or whatever. It's like, no, we got to get her her vitamin A source from retinol, you know, and that's important because we're developing her immune system. We're developing her skin health. Like these are, there's like, you know, hundreds of decisions that we can be making now every day that if you don't make them or you do them randomly, it's like kind of one of these, well, death by a thousand paper cuts, which, mm. you know, is like, so, so that's just, just purely in terms of, um, you know, setting our daughter up for success. Like yep. mm -hmm. I'm all in on that, um, as, as a parent and it's the best intention possible. And that's, that's why I'm doing it. Um, and you know, I found a secure provider. I know her genome safe, you know, all that. Um, then let's go like to the other side of, you know, human performance. There's like the health leads, you know, and let's say I'm, I'm now in this health lead, um, mindset where, where, yeah, I'm bringing the high performance mindset in terms of everything I do as an entrepreneur, as a consultant, as a coach, I want to be my best for my clients. So yeah, um, day in and day out, I'm making decisions based on my genetics. Like, look, on this call, I have I have decaf coffee because I metabolize caffeine more slowly. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I've got like collagen and, and some, you know, MCTs um, because I, you know, I know, um, you know, carbohydrates aren't the best for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, and I've got a micronutrient stack here, um, which is based on, my nutrigenome profile, right? Mm -hmm. So it's got, you know, the blend of micronutrients for me um, that, uh, you know, that again, if, if are addressed day in and day out, it's, you know, it's, it's inches and then feet, you know, and then yards and then miles, but mm -hmm. it's like, it's really literally, you know, aligning in the day-to-day -day habits. And, you know, I'll put it this way. It's like, <laughs> you wouldn't buy a pair of shoes without measuring your foot size. Right. You know, mm -hmm. now I know it's more complex and it's overwhelming when you start to look at all the permutations and you might say, Oh, whatever, just give me the heuristic. And that's like totally your choice, but this is becoming more digestible. No, no pun intended. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things I do with my entrepreneurs is, as, is, you know, I, I coach a select number of, of entrepreneurs, um, bringing bringing forward these human performance principles and one of the first things we do is like a is a biology you know kind of overview and we kind of look at the, the circadian you know distribution of their habits and we look at their genomes and we say okay well where do we want to be spending our energy based mm -hmm. on your job and then what can we do knowing what we know about your predispositions um to 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 um what would you say to uh, amplify uh, your energy at those points and increase your longevity and decrease your um, risk of disease. So mm -hmm. that's the health lead side, right? Right. And then of course, in the middle, there's, there's the athletes, like the, the day to day, which is, you know, um, how do I get there faster without getting injured and without getting burnt out? Mm -hmm. And, and that's like, that's like, you know, in that kind of role, I think it's more like you've got, you know, it's like a pit stop crew, for like an F1 race car, <laughs> you've got to like, you got to know everything. I got to have all the data about this app because we're, we're talking about hundreds of the seconds. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's, you know, there, as you're speaking there, there's a quote that I love from Beethoven where he says, do not just practice your art, but force your way into its secrets. And I always, I always love that as change art to life. 
about instead don't just practice and just go through from anecdotal things of maybe what you've seen but really know exactly what's going on with you people say define your own you know your own definition of success well it's mm. the same thing with your health like there's so much information out there from other people of what they think you should do like oh follow this because this person dropped 30 pounds on this diet oh so i'm going to try that where it might actually not work well for you and then how many people do this over and over again and then it doesn't work the same way for them so then they get discouraged and they get demoralized and i realized like so much as we're so amp we're so amped up to go to point b where we want to go and yeah. not actually take the time to say where are we right now like where is your point a and i found that when you really do find that and you know what's going on with yourself with your own genome with your own body what works best for you on a strength program or nutrition program that sense of peace and confidence that you feel of actually knowing it it might be scary at the beginning but then mm -hmm. once you get that information out and actually see what's going on with yourself, it is such a powerful tool to have at your disposal. So that's why I love, I love this um, aspect of this testing of knowing what's going on in your own body, because it's not just, I think this is going on. This is no, this is exactly what's happening within my own body. So you can actually make informed decisions. Right. Well, you get to this point when you start tracking towards that goal, right? Where you know, if you ask yourself, and then we were at New Year's resolution time. So you, you, you know, you ask yourself, you say, okay, well, what, what are some things associated with, um, my goal that, uh, that I know I'm just going to absolutely hate, you know? So, you know, if you are, you know, if you're a swimmer, for example, I mean, that's just volume, right. And you probably got to get up at like four 30 every morning. Mm -hmm. And it's well, like when it's four 30 in the morning, I'm not going to want to do it. Right. Um, or let's just say I'm, I'm more likely to hit the snooze button at, at that point in time. It's like, well, you got to take care of, you know, if I'm Jeremy and I'm a swimmer, I got to take care of future Jeremy. So I got to like put my bag by the door. I got to have my you know pre-workout stuff set up. So, um, so it's like, I know that vulnerability about myself, um, you know, or there's a certain workout that I just, I really hate no matter what, but I know it's necessary. Um, and, and, you know, you, you tie that back to your why and you can, you can, you know, withstand any house. So the saying goes, but, um, but yeah, it really is about grabbing the tiger by the tail and just looking it in the eye in terms of your molecular biology. It's like, oh, Hey, like, yeah, I'm allergic to, um, you know, lactose sugar and, and, mm -hmm. um, geez, I really like my latte, but if I don't want to feel this inflamed, uh, anymore, right because my Olympic gold medal is better or I want to have better patients or, and so that requires, you know, I sleep better and this, you know, this, this issue with, you know, base level inflammation is affecting my sleep. Well, I mean, again, it's, there are all these like minor things that we can do that um, have this synergistic output in terms of um, optimization and act actualization. Like there's no big thing, right? We all kind of want the, what's the one thing that I should do? And it's like, yeah, you know, what is the savior that I need? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, I mean, it, but to answer the question, I think it, it's well, it, curiosity uh, about, you know, your, your potential, like what you come into this world with, um, you know, I think it is, I think all of us are worthwhile knowing um, and, and genomics gives us a new lens uh, to, to know ourselves through. Yeah.
With the entrepreneurs you work with, you know, a lot of people who are listening are solopreneurs or in their coaching, you know, practice and building up. And you said the optimizing for like different times, can our genome and genomics actually look at like what time that you are maybe most energetic or like more focused um, as well? Yeah. So there's like a, it's fairly well studied. There's various clock genes as they're aptly named um, that uh, affect, uh, let's say your predisposition to be more of a night owl um, versus a morning bird, let's say. Um, and I think a lot of people probably like they, they, they know this already, um, but it's, it's good to have it confirmed, you know? So for me, for example, I know that I'm a, a night owl, um, but uh, given the constraints on my life right now, uh, it's better for me to be a morning bird, you know? So, so what do I do to set that up? Right. Um, you know, I've got to introduce like much more of a, you know, parasympathetic kind of downloading, down regulating towards the end of my day. Um, uh, so, you know, that means like no workouts after, you know, after two o'clock, um, <laughs> as, as an example, or, you know, if it is, it's really, you know, as I say, down-regulating. Um, so, and, and, you know, like I've, I've, I've done the, you know, self-study on this and, and there's all kinds of literature on it, but if I track, for example, my, my HRV throughout the day, I see peaks and troughs that mirror, um, you know, let's say the meta-analysis of, you know, how humans tend to perform optimally throughout the day. So, so generally speaking, what I've observed in myself and what I observe in my entrepreneurs is there are generally two peaks um, of, of cognitive and, you know, physical optimization um, through, or, or, or um, uh, sorry, peak performance, not optimization, but mm -hmm. um, peak performance throughout the day. So for me, that's generally, you know, between, let's say, I would say 7.30 and 11. So that's like prime time. Um, is that so peak I, physically or peak mentally? That's, or? that's, that's more peak cognition. Cognitive, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, and so, well, guess what? I set up my day so that the habits, um, you know, for example, uh, there's all kinds of like constant and never-ending improvement work that I'm concerned about, you know, whether that's, you know, reading or knowledge acquisition or mm -hmm. just general, let's say high performance habits that, that I pepper throughout the day, um, to, to essentially, um, let's say embrace those, those peaks. So it's no different than like an athlete warming up and cooling down. It's like, well, what are your warm up habits? What are your cool down habits? Um, and, and integrating those into your, your operating system. Cause a lot of, so, so there are basically those, those, mm -hmm. those two peaks. And so that means if there's two peaks, then there's three troughs, right? So there's my beginning of the day trough is my middle of the day trough. And then there's my wind down trough. Um, and those are just as important, if not more important than, you know, the peak, they, they actually set up they're the foundation for the peak state. So it's really working with entrepreneurs to understand, well, what they're doing already naturally, and then leveraging that up, right? You don't want to just like, Oh, Hey, did you know Wim Hof breathing and breathing and, and uh, cold flushes are good. And I'm just going to like, throw that in your operating system. It's like, right. man, that's, I just put another planet in your, in your operating <laughs> in your solar system. I mean, the gravity is like throwing everything all over the place. So, so, you know, using that kind of biology as a starting point to understand um, the entrepreneur, but of course there's like a huge, like, let's say psychology um, to performance, which I'm sure, you know, and then, yeah. 
And then there's a strategic planning. So I, you know, I called the system the, you know, iris operating system. So it's a way of really seeing yourself um, biologically, psychologically, and a vision for the future, right? And I pulled all this together based on, you know, my learnings as a as a as an academic, um, mm-hmm. as an athlete, and as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and you know what's what's really cool is you start to work with people and. And you get into that effortless effort paradox. It's like, this feels easier, but I'm doing 10 times more. How did this happen? And that's mm-hmm. the whole coaching element, coaching people and meeting them where they're at um, to, to, to nurture their nature. So yeah. Can that, have you seen that cognition um, like change with athletes as well? I was always curious about that because when you go into something like 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 Olympic athletes, right? You might be running a race or doing something at a completely different time than you were normally training or when like your peak function is at. And it's always curious of like, how do you train and prepare for that? Now I'm assuming it's like, well, train the best way possible. And then when you get to the, when you get to the events, like you've done all the work, you got to just do the best you can. But it seems yeah. like that's got to be a challenge as well, you know, for athletes. Oh, that's, that's really, that's a real difficult one. So keep in mind, the use case we were talking about here was like entrepreneurs who, you know, they, you know, I'd like to say they set their own schedule, but usually when I start working with them, they don't, or they say they can't because, you know, they're, they're at the whim of, you know, deadlines, raising capital, investors, right, yeah. et cetera. And it's like, well, that may be where you are right now. And let's navigate through that, but let's set up a better operating system so that we can put um, you know, the work into, uh, the times that are that where you are most optimal. So for example, if you're going to do a press release, um, we're not going to do that. Um, let's say in the morning where you're doing that deep work, cause you're just not as personable, right? Mm-hmm. We're, you're, you're out there in the public. And so the best time for you to do that is around four o'clock and here are the activities that you want to do before that to give you peak state, because this is, this is potentially a, hundred million dollar conversation you're about to have mm-hmm. um, so so entrepreneurs can if they get proactive enough control um when they do the work that they do um but not always and but in the case of athletes it's like it's like they can almost never control it yeah. right <laughs> you know like i worked with uh, a lot of nhl players um you know, like over a decade ago and mm-hmm. and um you know, I would have them for around 13 weeks and I would build these beautiful high performance systems just to like maximize, you know, how they might be actualized in the, in those 13 weeks. And they'd go back to training camp and they'd feel optimal and they'd crush all of their team testing. And, and, you know, they'd get onto the lines that they wanted to and, you know, contract negotiations were awesome. And so then, then the issue becomes once they started to get into season, they'd start to call me and they say, well, look, like our trainer is telling us to do this, but that's not in line with you, with what you were saying. And, you know, these games are killing me, these road trips to that. I'm like, mm-hmm. look, like we've, we've done the work for this 12 weeks to get you optimal. And if you do these habits um, throughout the season, you should be able to make it to game seven. Right. You won't be optimal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Be, be, because it but it, because we're into a, playing the game of survival right um but given given the conditions um well actually you are optimized um because we we compensated for the fact that oh you know you have to play well you have all these time changes and you have all these late games you know and uh um oh well you made it into the all-star game well 
you know, those are all variables that we have to have to correct for. So it, it becomes, a, it's a conversation that, yeah. um, that athletes need to have, um, with their bodies and, uh, and, and with their, with their support team, um, because yeah. there is a way through there, there, there are all of those high performance habits, um, that, I mean, you look at a guy like Tom Brady is a perfect example, right. Mm-hmm. In so far as the extension of his career, I mean, unheard of, but you know, and you look at guys like, you know, uh, Nolan Ryan, Tommy John, right. <laughs> like these are people yeah. who they don't accept no for an answer. Um, and so what, but what they're doing is they're really getting to know themselves in the environment of their, of their chosen sport. Yeah. I love that. That's a beautiful distinction of optimization. Cause I think we often think optimization means you're always at this level when in reality, optimal is going to be a spectrum. And when you have things that you can't control, like for an athlete, you're going on road trips, you're getting in a hotel at 4am and then you got to play a game at 1pm the next day on there versus the same, a brand new father with a three month old who all of a sudden, you know, I'm sure there's things that you can't control with that time. So as kind of going back, the more, you know, yourself of where your predispositions are, the more you can, I always think it's like the more you can become proactive versus reactive in your solutions, the more you're going to have, you know, a good idea of what you can do at any given time, regardless of the things that you can't control. Yeah. You, you know what you're saying? It re- I mean, it really hits home right now just because of, you know, where, where I am with my own priorities. And that is, you know, more on being a supportive husband and, and yes, father, but like, let's face it, we're just coming to the end of the fourth trimester where it's really just like, how do I be supportive? Right. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, like I've, I've the, 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 let's say trials and tribulations of the path that I described to you, like academic, athlete, academic entrepreneur is just loaded with ups and downs and uncertainty. And, you know, one of the things I've learned is, is, is that um, you don't get anywhere without this integrity of being. Um, And and so like to come to your point around balance, right. It's like, well, it's not so really balance. Um, It's, it's more integration. It's a harmony. Harmonization. Yeah. Of, of, of these, you know, I call them like personalities and, and I've done enough you know, self-study and study of psychology to have emerged these, you know, these, these personalities that I need to, you know, basically intercalate and, and, and balance as well, not balance and harmonize as it relates to the, the time I'm at in my life. Um, so you might ask what those are. It's like, well, it has to do with your career and your job. Um, it has to do with, uh, you know, well, you know, ideally you have some kind of, um, relationships, a meaningful relationship at the top. So right now it's, you know, my partner, uh, and, and, you know, we've got family that's important. Um, you know, hopefully you've got like some activity that you do, uh, that is also downtime, but it also complements, you know, what it is, um, that you're, you're tracking towards. So it's getting to the crux of, um, you know, aligning all those things. So like the person I am at work, wouldn't be a surprise to my daughter and how I am with my children wouldn't be a surprise to my, you know, my colleagues, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that is, that's not an easy thing to do, you know, especially in the extremes, like entrepreneurs tend to over index on the the result, um, you know, raising the capital, exiting um, the business. Same, and same is true with athletes. And they're mm-hmm. not thinking 
let's say fourth dimensionally they're not thinking through time and they're not thinking of themselves right. as as a as a community it's like well who jeremy is today is very different than jeremy 20 years ago it's gonna be very different jeremy 20 years from now right. how are the decisions that i make today good for jeremy of the future and having learned from jeremy of the past and i think again the the genetics is is genomics your your blueprint is part of that right so the decisions that i'm you know making today previously i was focused on high performance now i'm focused more on on longevity but i would have rather have before been focused on performance longevity so right. uh and and i think that's you know that's what genomics can give us yeah so how does someone if they're interested in getting their uh you know, getting understanding their genomics and stuff like how do you actually go about doing this DNA test? I know you do a service uh, in there. Is, is this something that you can go to your doctor and say, I want to test for these things? Or is this a specific thing that you can go and get at a certain place? Yeah. So when, when where I offer this, it isn't sold in, in retail, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll, and I'll say that you know, I had done this previously with the, like the previous venture Athletogen where, you know, I would say, okay, well, here's your athletic report and here's your nutrition report. And I just found that the, um, the results were too static. And unless you had, um, a coach to help you interpret it, you know, it might be doing more harm than good. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if I bring genomics in to my coaching, well, I, you know, I, I bring other experts to the table and it's a comprehensive approach. So, um, really the best way to do is to contact me. Um, mm -hmm. and if people are interested, I can, I can point them in the direction of, um, uh, you, you know, what, what, what our first step might be together in terms of looking at you or at you holistically. And, yep. um, so yeah, because, you know, otherwise I would be recommending things like, um, you know, 23andMe, Ancestry DNA, and it's just, those, those are not going to give you the, um, insight that we're talking about here in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, sharpening the spear. Now, in terms of whole genome sequencing, um, I do use, uh, sequencing.com full disclosure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do, um, business development consulting for that company. I believe in that company and, and, um, you know, they don't sell your data. Uh, as I mentioned, it's whole genome. Uh, but keep in mind, I'm looking at it as, um, as an expert, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, people are definitely encouraged to go and check out what they've got there. They've mm -hmm. got the, the whole, first of all, the whole genome sequencing versus, um, you know, partial sequencing, you know, like 23andMe offers, let's say a couple hundred thousand markers, whole genome is the full, you know, 3 billion, right? So yep. you're going to get the most comprehensive overview, um, to start. But again, that can be daunting. Now, there is a marketplace um, where you can check out your nutrigenomics and you can check out, um, I mean, think there's some athletic reports there as well. But here's what's going to happen is you're going to, you know what, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, you might love it um, because it's a whole constant and never-ending improvement thing. But you'll you'll probably spend, you know, years, um, you know, before you get to the point of, uh, let's just say a... Um, a comprehensive operating system. Mm -hmm. um, so I still, I believe that the human is very much integral to that. Now I do leverage, you know, AI um, and genomics as, uh, as part of the service. Um, but again, it's, you know, I partner with my, um, my clients to, to get to their optimization. Yeah. Um, and, and so generally it's not just like, Hey, here's your DNA. See you never. It's, 
it's part of a comprehensive, um, you know, onboarding process in terms of, um, you know, understanding how you got to where you are, getting super clear on where you're going, and then, you know, leveraging performance periodization principles to get mm-hmm. you there based on your biology. So, yeah. so short answer is, um, oh, I'll give you my email. I'm sure you can Beautiful. share it. It's just jeremy at um, irisinfinity.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I was gonna, that's what I was going to say right there is let's get that contact information. Um, Dr. Jeremy, thank you so much for, for jumping on today. This has been fascinating. I think this is the stuff that, as I said before, like so many people were always looking for where we want to go. These are the goals that we want to have without really taking the time to knowing where you are at this moment. Who are you? Not just in a existential or an ethereal type way, but actually knowing like, what is your makeup? Like, what is it? And I think this is one of those things that the more people understand and the more people get to know, then they can make informed decisions about what they can do so they can not only you know live healthy, but really optimize their health. And I think it's one of those things too, like we don't know how we feel optimally until you get there. Like it's a hard thing to describe from there. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing and jumping on today. Oh, I appreciate you having me. Uh, pleasure to be here, Michael. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so we got your email, uh, any other place people can go and follow your content, anything else that you're putting out? Yeah. I mean, I am working gradually towards this, um, you know, the human performance of DNA story. So this is going to be, you know, in the 10 years, uh, in, in entrepreneurship, working very closely with athletes, I'm trying to I'm trying to turn that into, you know, a storyboard that, you know, at least in concept can be more interesting uh, and digestible to people as it relates to to the DNA of human performance. So um, I'm I'm not sure how I'm going to be disseminating that, but I am building it. It might be a combination of podcast or YouTube series, but um, you can find me at uh, drjeremykoenig.com. Spoiler alert, it's really just a a webpage. placeholder but if you're interested you can sign up uh and i'm you know i'm looking to build that um that tribe of uh enthusiastic followers that are that are really interested in understanding how dna is going to shape our future because there's there's a ton of things that we didn't touch on today in terms of well what is what what future might that be in Mm -hmm. the you know presence of ai and uh you know we got some real kind of moral and ethical conundrums to to talk about for another day i'm sure i think that's a part two that we'll have to you know set up and and dive into so i'd love that Mm -hmm. awesome all right jeremy thank you so much listeners thank you so much for connecting i'll catch you guys on the next one thank you so much for joining me today i hope you found some great value here and if you like this episode please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review it does more to build the show than you can imagine and do not forget to check out and join the strength connection facebook group in this group i share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life it's this group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey you'll also get exclusive access to the strength connection mastery seminars it's a deep dive into the physical mental and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately so do not wait go now seriously go i much love to you thank you so much and i'll catch you on the next one